After the prosecutor recused himself, citing conflicts of interest, the state of the Murdoch murder investigation seemed to stall. Then, breaking news reports on the shooting of yet another member of the family who happened to be the only named person of interest in the June slangs. Who could have attacked this once prominent trial lawyer and what led to his sudden resignation from the firm his family started? This week's episode is The Murdoch Family Murders, Part 3. In the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. We had another topic planned for this week. All queued up. We were All ready to go. All queued up and ready to go. And as of yesterday, we called an audible mm-hmm. because I have not been this glued to my phone. I can't think of the last time. Maybe, maybe since OJ. And I didn't even oh. have a cell phone then. So it would have just been the TV. I don't know. But I mean, we were getting emails, DMs. Patreon was lighting up, Discord was lighting up, everybody like, have you guys seen this? And I will be honest, the I first heard because an email came in mm-hmm. and sh- the listener said, I live close to here. This just came out and it was a, a tweet about it. And I was like, and I immediately sent it to you. I was like, I have not looked into this, but this is saying Alec Murdoch has been shot. And then everything started breaking and we were like... Wow. Just and when we enti- thought entire Labor Day weekend. Couldn't get yeah, my entire Labor Day weekend was spent with this and taking care of my six children. So what a what a story. This is man, just when you could thought it couldn't get any more Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. They said, nah, here you go. Yeah, every fact is more shocking than the last mm-hmm. one. And and also I think We've been thinking on it. We've been thinking on what does this all mean and how does this tie back to all the other deaths that have mm-hmm. happened and what does it mean going forward? And I think we have some very solid answers based in, in our legal theories and then just how much time we've spent with this and all the, the factors that go into it. So I think we'll – not that we'll have an answer today because this is still unfolding, so we'll have to come back to it eventually. But I think at least for now a – clear picture of what happened is starting to emerge and i just want to go on record and say recanting my previous theory oh same of new evidence i'm i'm also well i had two theories yes and uh i am uh strongly in favor of one of my theories at this point (laughs) and i will i will go into much more of my theory um and so what do we think but but yeah, but thank you to everybody who sent the articles. And a lot of times people say, I'm sure you probably already saw it. But with this one, there were so many little tiny details and nuances mm-hmm. that the, I mean, if you look at all the sources we went off of for this, there's the tiny details were in each and like various places. So it actually definitely does help. And, and we made sure yeah, to for thank sure. everybody in the email and everything for sending all that. And we have a lot of listeners that have messaged us from this area that know the family or know mm-hmm. of the family. And have shared stories of their encounters with them. And I will say that none of them have been favorable. 
Yeah, and it sort of backs up this, you know, when there are sobbing people saying, we're not a dynasty that just does whatever we want. You hear these stories of how individuals in the area and the community have been personally affected by these people. And you're like, man, it's, you know, that's not a wrong thing to say. Yeah. You're yeah. A, yeah. No, you got away with a lot of stuff. So these um, people have no reason to lie to us. In fact, they're emailing us to with like detailed stories. Just and be being like, like please yeah. don't say my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're still scared. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you're still scared. Also, if we have new listeners tuning in, I know this is like a hot topic, so sometimes yeah. may, may folks may just check us out for the first time. So welcome aboard. Welcome. Please um, buckle up because, man, <laughs> we got... We got a lot to talk about, and I do have my phone right next to me just in case something else comes <laughs> out, and we might have to, like, live report. Um, we'll, just, we'll keep our yeah. eyes peeled. Yes, we will. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. At 1.34 p.m. on Saturday, September 4th, 2021, 53-year-old Alec Murdoch once again called 911 to report a shooting. This time, the victim was him. Alec called first responders to report that he had been shot in the head on Old Sakahatchee Road near the Moselle Hunting Lodge where his wife and son had been gunned down in June. Flight records showed a medical transport flight took off from Hampton County, bound for Memorial Health University Medical Center in Savannah, Georgia, with Alec on board. I had to kind of see on a map how close these things were, and it's not... Savannah's not too far away, and this is pretty standard procedure. Mm -hmm. Alec's brother, Randy, told the Post and Courier that he received a call from Alec around 2.15, telling him what had happened. Randy's account was that Alec had been on his way to Charleston, South Carolina, when he got a flat tire and pulled over to the side of the road. While he was changing it, Alec said a truck drove by and then turned around. According to Alec, the driver got out of the truck and asked him if he needed any help. Alex said the next thing he heard was a gunshot. Other reports state that the vehicle was a car, not a truck, and that one of the passengers fired at Alec from inside the car. Randy then called Alex's attorney, Jim Griffin, to tell him the news. Here's where I start having problems. Mm, yeah. So, Hampton County, so you're going from the hunting lodge at 4147 Moselle Road. Hampton County is about 70 miles from Charleston. Charleston's right on the water and Hampton County's a little bit more inland. And if you look at the routes on Google Maps, it tells you to go 63 down to 17. So it's basically, you know, highways, mm -hmm. as, as big of a highway is going to be in a rural area. This road that he was found on is a little bit, it, it doesn't go due east like the 63 would it goes more south and it does take you in theory down to a highway but it it's a long way it it's, a, it's it, not yeah it's not the round it's not the normal way that you would travel yeah it's not it doesn't fit to me of oh that's the way i would go was he stopping somewhere else on the way maybe that's that's not what we heard though what we've been told was he was going to charleston and he just mm -hmm. happened to stop on the side road so little starting off a little uh, some holes in the in the story already. Yeah, and also depending on what news outlet you read, it was a truck, it was a car. There was one person. There were two people. He got fired at from the car. He the people got out of the car. So no one they really him, and then they U turned. Yes, that was another story. They didn't have a. No one had like a solid story. Like mm -hmm. he wasn't firm on this is exactly what happened. He said that that's what happened, but. 
uh, he, he didn't sell it. According to ABC4 News, SLED took over the investigation on the day of the shooting at the request of the Hampton County Sheriff's Office and were dispatched to the scene at 2.41 p.m. The statewide investigative law enforcement agency confirmed in a statement that its officers arrived on the scene at 3.40 p.m. local time, with its crime scene agent showing up less than an hour later. So they did what they're supposed to do. You know, this is all, in theory, part of another investigation. You know, he is a person of interest in an active SLED investigation. Sure. You need to call them in. Um, and they, you know, arrived when they could. And they did try to block off the scene. But on social media, there were photos and videos of literal just citizens driving on by. Like, it eventually Not got blocked off. just citizens driving by, but, like, the police waving to them as they, they did drove wave by. At them. And waving them through. I mean, the low they country did. does things a bit different down there. It was, I mean, you can see the video. It is on a... Like country road, because he's he was kind of off on the side, almost in the dirt. But his front wheels—that's the other thing that's suspicious. His car looks like it was backed into that spot. If you're going to stop to park your car because your tires blowed out, you're going forward. You tr- turn your car yeah. to the right, and then you pull off. This the back ass is further off the road than the front half, and the front wheel is turned to the left, like you would yeah. back in. Yeah, and it yeah, it looked like an intentional parking job. Yes. Photos and video posted to social media showed investigators had put up crime scene markers while other agents were looking through the grassy area near Alex Black Mercedes-Benz SUV. Other photos showed the vehicle's rear driver's side tire was completely flat, and the two back windows of the car were either rolled down or shot out. A sled confirmed later it towed the SUV to be evaluated further. According to WTOC, Investigators worked through the night and into the early hours of Sunday morning. Collecting evidence, interviewing potential witnesses, and following up on potential leads. News Nation reported that police found at least seven shell casings at the scene, and online photos show multiple yellow evidence markers placed on the ground around Alex's vehicle. Alex's attorney, Jim Griffin, told the New York Times that a weapon had not been found at the scene and that his client's tire had been slashed. These details have not been confirmed by state law enforcement. Despite Alec telling police a truck with two men had shot him, police did not issue an APB on any suspects or a vehicle. There's kind of two schools of thought, you know, well, we don't want to disrupt the investigation. But then also, if there are people on the road who pull over and go, do you need help? And then shoot someone in the face. That's a danger to the public. We need to know, okay, they're driving a blue Silverado or whatever they're driving. So that we know to look out for that. Also, this whole tire thing, got a lot of problems with it. So, yeah, you were saying you have similar tires to this because... Cause, so, a Mercedes, I one of my old bosses used to drive this exact SUV. And obviously, when you have the alloy wheels, you have the premium pack, they come with run-flat tires. And a run-flat tire is where it's a stator tire with a second tube inside of it. So, if you run over a nail or a, whatever, a piece of glass, then... It'll tell you, hey, you're you're going to have a flat tire soon. Heads up. But even so, you can drive on it. I once had a run flat tire in a car, and I drove to Fort Worth and back, which is, you know, whatever, 45, 50 miles. And you you put more air in it, but it doesn't just flatten like a standard tire would, where it's the air pressure's out and out. Unless now, it had been shot out or, or slashed. purposefully. Yes. Yes. You would have to have penetrated both the outer and the inner workings of the tire. Yeah, so unless... It was intentionally shot out or slashed. 
it's not going to look like that. Yeah, I would say it would be a uh, purposeful deflation. Like you, it would take a little bit more than a standard. Oh, I ran over some construction yes. equipment or whatever. So if your story is you were driving down this road and you got a flat, that doesn't add up. I would also be interested to know if there was a spare kit in it, because as a person whose car currently has run flat tires, I don't have a spare tire. And when I bought the car, I sounded like a real rube. I was like, <laughs> where's the extra tire? And the guy looked at me like I was stupid. I was like, you don't need one. You have run flats and roadside assistance, which also if you're driving a brand new Mercedes, there's a button inside that you push. A- Not that I drive a brand new Mercedes, LOL. But if you drive a brand new Mercedes, there's a roadside assistance that you call and they'll dispatch somebody. I imagine, too, if he's on his way, and we don't know why he was on his way allegedly to Charleston but he's at the time was a prominent attorney so I imagine it's for something legal related so if you're in a suit or even just in nice clothes are you going to get out and change that on the side of the road or are you going to push that button or call AAA to come help you that's what I do not understand yeah also They, once again, didn't put out an APB on anything, similar to when Paul and Maggie were found dead. And they also say, oh, there's no threat to the public. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. And then again, they're like, well, there's no threat to the public. If you see that this family, they're just seemingly getting picked off at this point, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you put Buster into hiding, get the uncles? Like, I would be trying to protect everybody because it looks like they're coming for the entire family but also alert the public i mean the public would have a right to know like you said if somebody's just driving around even if maybe alec was their intended target that's still dangerous to know that people are driving around or wouldn't you ask hey what did that car look like that somebody shot you from and then put on apb and try and find them yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's both safety and also just finding them. Yes. And the other thing is, like you said, this family's in in danger, in theory. If the, the idea is they're being picked off one by one, you are a handful of miles away from where your wife and son were mowed down, and you are willingly getting out of your car? Yeah. Alone on the side of the road? Like you said, I mean, you stay in the car, lock the doors, you know, also... He's a hunter. He has a hunting lodge with tons of guns in it. Was he not carrying a pistol? We don't hear, you know, we don't yeah. hear that he returned fire that, you know, you keep something in the glove box or on your person. I don't know. We live yeah. in Texas now where people just roll around like Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Yeah. But, you know, there was there not some type of defense? We don't. There, these are facts that just haven't come out yet. But what it's pieces of the puzzle that I think point away from, oh, a random person rolled up on him and shot him. Yeah. And if I were him and I knew. That my wife and son had been shot to death just months earlier and no one had been apprehended for that. I would probably assume that my life was also in danger. Mm-hmm. At the very and- least, you're like two unhinged people are, are roaming around our county. So, yeah, like you said, would you just casually get out? I mean, that's like something out of Breaking Bad. Somebody that has a hit out on them and then <laughs> their tire all of a sudden goes flat on a... Mm-hmm. On a country road, you know, you're not going to get out and do that. No, none it's of, a tr- none of it adds up. Trap. Yes, yeah, it's yes. Tr- unless you knew who you knew who killed your family. Yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Later in the day on Saturday, 
News outlets reported that Alec was conscious and able to communicate by phone with his family. Due to COVID restrictions, he was not able to have in-person visitors. On Saturday night, Alec's family released a statement, according to the Associated Press, that read, The Murdoch family has suffered through more than any one family can ever imagine. We expect Alec to recover, and we ask for your privacy while he recovers. A statement from SLED released the next day called Alec's injury. A superficial gunshot wound to the head. Okay, ding, 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 ding. Here's where, when all of this is breaking yesterday, I am messaging you and I'm like, there's no way he was shot at. This doesn't make any sense. You're telling me there's seven, some things said up to 10 shell casings on the ground and he has a superficial gunshot? If somebody gets out of their car with the intention to kill you, one, how are they going to fire off seven shots and all you get is a superficial wound to the head? If they really wanted to kill you, they're going to kill you. Wouldn't they wait to see if you were dead before driving off? It -hmm. makes absolutely no sense. And the... Especially this, uh, the, uh, one of the variations, the many variations of his story that they shot from the car, you would expect to see bullet holes along the side of the of the car mm-hmm. versus because there's shell casings that way, which my question is, which direction did the bullets come from? Mm-hmm. You know, if there are shell casings in front of the car, but there are no bullet holes in the car. Yeah. How did those bullets get where the evidence markers were on the side of the driver's side? front and passenger door or you know driver's side front and back door uh the side that was facing the road there was all these gun shot or all these bullet casings on the ground with the evidence markers if they came towards him some statistically something would have hit the car i would think so yes definitely also if you're willing to fire off seven shots and you can't hit him I I don't know. I would think that you'd probably get out of the car and make sure it was done. I just don't think if it was at first I thought maybe it was a warning, like a threat. Yeah, say it could be a warning. But then I'm like, would you have fired seven off though? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seemed it it just pardon the pun, but overkill. Like I didn't none of it none of it added up. Well, and also uh, my whole thing is if they were truly shot at him seven times when he was at or around the vehicle. It would have been struck, and it hasn't yes. been. So in a staging-type scenario where somebody is just shooting a gun off to have shell casings around, perhaps it came from the direction of the vehicle outward. Or yes. maybe that is he was defending himself, and that's just not in reports. Yes. You'd expect to see that. But, yeah, the fact that his head injury was – he was awake and talking, which is possible with some more severe head injuries, but – the authorities went so far as to specifically call it superficial. Yeah. He he was able himself to call 911 because when everything first broke, all the, all the headlines were just, Alec Murdoch's been shot in the head. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, a car drove by. And my first question was, well, who called 911? Did somebody mm-hmm. drive by and see this, you know? And mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, no, he was able to call 911. So and then, his brother. Yeah. And he, and he also called his brother. I personally would like to see the timestamps of the phone records, the cell phone logs. Yes. And yeah. And I think SLED is involved now and they'll see that they're going to dig. Mm-hmm. They're going to dig this up because he he could say all day. You know, we know when he called 911. SLED said he yes. called at 134. The brother is saying, well, it was about 215. 
Is that accurate or was the brother called first? When we get to my theory, I'll tell you what I think. And I would say based on the behavior of Paul, they call the family first before they call the authorities. Due to his injuries not being considered life-threatening, Alec was released from the hospital on Monday, September 6th. Speaking through spokesperson Amanda Loveday of NP Strategy, a public relations firm in Columbia, South Carolina, Alec released a statement that said, The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I've made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I am resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. The statement came about an hour after local news outlet Fitz News had broken the story of Alex's alleged opioid addiction. Yeah, it was pretty interesting timing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you ideally should get ahead of that. Yeah. But uh, I guess the next best thing is to get as ahead of it as you can once it's been released. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, you jump in once that probably took about an hour for the PR people to get yeah. get something together to release so they were Which, definitely on it. That reads like a PR statement. For sure, absolutely. And I I've read online that um it was oxycodone and it was kind of a um a known secret. Okay. To, to a lot. Later in the evening on Monday, September 6th, more breaking news came when the New York Times reported that Alex stood accused of misappropriating funds from the law firm Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Elsroth, and Dietrich. The firm was founded in 1910 by Randolph Murdoch Sr., Alex's great-grandfather. A statement released from Alex's now former employer confirmed the details and appeared to be an effort to distance the firm from the now-disgraced trial attorney. On Friday, September 3, 2021, Alec Murdoch resigned from the law firm. He is no longer associated with PMPED in any manner. His resignation came after the discovery by PMPED that Alex misappropriated funds in violation of our standards and policies. A forensic accounting firm will be retained to conduct a thorough investigation. Law enforcement and the South Carolina Bar have been notified by the firm. This is disappointing news for all of us. Rest assured that our firm will deal with this in a straightforward manner. There is no place in our firm for such behavior. Due to the ongoing investigation into these matters and client confidentiality, PMPED cannot comment further at this time. We encourage any client with questions to contact our offices regarding their file. According to the New York Times and Fitz News, sources have reported the missing amount was in the millions. As of Monday night, the firm's website was taken offline. So here's where things get even more interesting. Oh, yeah. He is forced to resign from the firm because they find out he's stealing millions from them, from Let's clients. Just say it. Resigned in disgrace. <laughs> yes. This happens the night before the shooting takes place. This is what it gets me about this announcement. I'm using air quotes that he put out through the PR firm on Monday where he's like, yes. I'm resigning today. And the firm's like, actually, sir, you, you resigned. resigned on Friday. Yes. We took your laptop and your phone. I'm pretty sure once you find out. Also, 
I mean, I've worked at a large law firm. It's a little bit different because it's we had a national footprint versus this is a regional one, but it's still a big law firm and not huge, but you know what I mean. There's it's not it's not a solo for practice or one or right. two people that you're going to have these policies where if there's a whiff that this is going on. The IT people know there's special software on your computer. If they think you're stealing, if they think you're doing something, they will start tracking what you've done. And then they also go back and track what you've done. To think that anything nowadays is not already, that it isn't being tracked and you would ever get away with this is hubris. I mean, huge ego on his part that he thought he would get away. My take on it as a lawyer is that uh, you never impugn someone's personal credibility with the ability to uh, conduct their profession, as in saying this lawyer stole money, unless you have provable definitive evidence. That's defamatory per se. And Mm -hmm. South Carolina has pretty loose defamation laws. So you can't say Alec Murdoch stole money from us unless because because if he sued you, your only defense is to go. And anyway, here's all the receipts. And so if Alec Murdoch knows he stole money, he ain't going to go sue them. So for a law firm to come out and go, this person stole money from us, like unequivocally, they didn't go, well, we're investigating some mm-hmm. top, proper possible improprieties. We're not sure. They flat out and came out and said, this guy stole from us. This tells me he stole from them. They would not make these statements without having that to back it up. It also says that... I assume they have been investigating him for quite a while. They didn't just find this out on a Friday afternoon and then fired him Friday night. A hundred percent. Because they've already looped in the bar and law enforcement. And the thing that really piqued my interest in this statement of we encourage any client with questions to contact our office. I mean, and also client confidentiality. This sounds Tom Girardi-ish to me, that there's mm-hmm. some sort of client fund issues. Um, it does say he misappropriated funds in violation. It doesn't say he misappropriated client funds, but those last statements of if you're a client and you have concerns, call us. To me, this is all coded to say you if you've been impacted by him, call us. Yeah. Uh, because if he yeah, made like, you put your money into a uh, some investment. Sort of investment account, mm-hmm. yeah, or if you haven't been getting your payments... Uh, mm-hmm. Give us a that you call. said you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or he's not answering your calls or whatever. And so, yeah, the fact that the law enforcement and the bar have already been notified, like you said, they did not wake up on Friday and go, oh, my goodness, you guys know the bank account's kind of low. I wonder if mm-hmm. Alex had something to do with it. They've had their eye on him for a hot minute, and it sounds like he's been unraveling. Yeah. 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 What's also awkward is his brother also works there. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine yeah. it's only a matter of time before. He resigns as well, forced yeah. or just on his own, because I can't imagine wanting to go into work there with this being uh, your family's reputation. Yeah, or you just do everything you can to distance yourself from your brother, and you have to like make that choice. Of, yeah. I'm going to try to maintain my professional reputation and go, well, I don't talk to him anymore. I'm not a part of it, because it's, like you said, just by virtue of the same last name yeah. and being as close as you are, being the one that he calls all the time when the shit hits the fan— and they're a very tight-knit family. Yeah, and I mean, that is name is so well-known mm-hmm. throughout South Carolina and now globally that it would be very hard to distance yourself, period, but especially if you have the same profession as your brother. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're going to be pe- – there, even, rightfully or wrongfully – outsiders will assume you yeah. either knew or you supported him yeah. or you are supporting him, and that's just – that's just what people's gut. They're like, oh, your brothers. You're probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Your fam- your name's on the door. Your family yeah. name's on the door. According to the News and Observer, 
Jim Griffin said that upon hearing the news that Alec had been shot, members of PMPED went to the crime scene to inform SLED about Alec's forced resignation the day before and the missing money. SLED has yet to comment on if they are investigating the misappropriated funds, with spokesperson Tommy Crosby telling the news outlet that he had uh, no information that I can comment on. So these guys, I think they uh, caught, <laughs> they realized, uh, this does not add up. We yeah. just fired him last night. And all of a sudden, now that he has been shot in the head on the side of the road, immediately they go to say like, hey, this is going on. And it could be one of two things. Uh, he may have had motive to want to take his own life. Two, we don't want it to come out later that this happened. And you guys think that we're trying to, to off him or something. So we're just mm-hmm. being as completely transparent as we can be up front. That's smart because you're like, we technically have a motive for revenge. Yes. We would have let you know we're totally cooperating. Mm-hmm. This is going on. Let us know what you need from us. And that's the above board right thing to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. On Tuesday, September 7th, reporter Matt Harris cited a pretty reliable source that Maggie hired a forensic accountant of her own, in addition to the one investigating Alex's misdeeds at the law firm in an effort to protect the family assets, according to Crime Online. Yeah, this was breaking right before we got in the yeah. studio. And so it's more will be revealed. I think it's it'll be by the time this airs. But it sounds like she ha- was sniffing around for some sort of money being moved, according to Matt Harris. In their personal Personal accounts. life. Yeah she, yes. wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't have any connection with the law firm. Yeah, which but- people have been wondering, like, if it... If this was, uh, if her and Paul were killed by someone in the family, what might the motive have been? Now we're starting to see that there may have been a motive tied to money. Well, and especially you ask, okay, you have generational wealth, right? You have all this money. It doesn't mean, you know, granddaddy, daddy is just, it's a faucet that's open. Shit's in trust. We've seen there's Mm -hmm. multiple family trusts. And so if Alex... I don't want to get too far into what do we think, but if you're bleeding money and you start borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, whether that's your work or your wife's, you know, whatever, when you're married, it doesn't mean, you know, you may have separate retirement accounts. They were separated at the time and rumor has it that she was filing for divorce and he knew this. So I imagine maybe she was sniffing around to see what was going to be hers in the divorce. Which is an extremely smart thing to do yeah. as a person filing for divorce because you want to know if they are going to start wasting marital assets before, mm-hmm. you know, before you file. And she may have, you know, if you get an inheritance, that's separate property. If you have, depends on how it was earned and when it was earned. Sometimes different retirement accounts can be separate property. So, you know, different types of gifts from outside people could be separate property. So she may have had things that would have been hers, not to mention whatever share of the marital estate she would have been entitled to that you start to see your husband flying off the rails obviously he has a substance use issue obviously he's according to the law firm stealing money from the law firm you know you might get worried too and say oh god you know our our estate's being wasted not to mention you're spending a shitload of money on defense attorneys because your son's various misdeeds Mm -hmm. under south carolina state law it is a crime called embezzlement for a lawyer to misappropriate funds entrusted to him 
if the value of the funds taken is over $10,000, the crime is a felony, and the lawyer would face up to 10 years in jail and fines. Lawyers who steal clients' funds may also be subject to federal charges of wire fraud, which carry with them a sentence of up to 30 years in federal prison and fines up to a million dollars. Yeah, it's not a understatement to say it's a huge fucking deal to steal sure, not just God. some client funds, but millions of dollars in misappropriated funds. And it's not double jeopardy because it's state and it's federal. So you can get smacked for two different times for the same thing because it's two different sovereigns. I mean, this is what we're seeing with Tom Girardi, like you yes. mentioned earlier. Yes. Yep. It's very similar. And also, Michael Avenatti is uh, an attorney that he represented Stormy Daniels, and he's currently defending himself against allegations of misappropriating client funds, and he is charged federally under wire fraud. So it's you may steal the money all in South Carolina, but depending on how it's transferred and where mm-hmm. the assets go, that becomes federal. I mean, it's and if it's over a certain amount, and also the heat on this case right now. Yeah. If I was the AUSA, and I'll be like, I'm going to come. Yeah, yeah. The DOJ, they're looking in like, how can we get in on this? Because you want. I mean, granted, it does look like the state level law enforcement is coming down on him. But if you have any in, you can say, okay, well, we see that he's doing this that crosses into our jurisdiction. We're going to go after him for this because. For, I don't know, a hundred years that his family has been in charge of things, they have not faced consequences. Yeah. So, and we haven't been able to step in because it hasn't been our jurisdiction. So now you, you done goofed, right? Like you've run afoul of the feds, easily they can come in. It is pretty remarkable how for a hundred years this family has run this, these counties, have escaped all sorts of, of legal issues and Talk about when it rains, it pours. Yeah. I mean, just in the past less than six months, everything has come undone for them. That photo that you keep seeing that's on the cover of People magazine and all that. I mean, that day when that photo was taken, if the you one told where them, Maggie's in the fur and they're all in touch. And they're all the cummerbunds. Yes. They got a lot of mm-hmm. bow ties going on. Mm-hmm. If you said, okay, by by Labor Day 2021, you don't like, it's unimaginable. Half what of happened. you will be. No longer with us. And then one of you will have been shot. Who Where's Buster? No one's, I don't, I haven't heard any statements from him at this point. Maybe that's just because he's laying low or maybe he has other reasons he's not talking. Well, on the, the Nancy Grace podcast, which I briefly listened to a chunk of, uh, the police were, it was uh, tapes from an interview that witnesses in the community said, well, we all know Buster killed Stephen Smith. I mean, and the police are like, we well, we need to know what you mean by that. We need more evidence. Yeah. We need to really, but it's getting run down. That 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 clue is now getting run down. I think too because there is so much heat on this, and so much is coming out now that people that may have been afraid to speak up for fear of retribution from the family are now like, fuck it, I'll tell mm-hmm. you whatever I want. Like it's it's fair game, and, and so I think a lot more people are going to come forward with stuff, and we're going to see a lot more headlines that are. Shocking, but also validates kind of what we already thought. Well, and finally, people feel like they have a voice when yeah. it's like, "Well, I'm I don't have any money, I don't have any power, influence. It doesn't matter. Whatever I say, the cops are just going to write me off." Now, they law enforcement has opened. Well, the state level law enforcement is now very enthusiastic about this, and hopefully, whatever you know, it's a that malignancy that let this thrive for so long can get cut out can you Mm -hmm. you can go in and say who was complicit in this who 
was, I mean, and we always talk about when you're a victim versus when you're a perpetrator of like, well, I was scared if I didn't do something, they would hurt my family. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you take these oaths Mm -hmm. and figure out where did this training go wrong? Where were the oversights and the policies went wrong that for so long it was, with regards to the Murdoch family, lawlessness. I imagine a lot of people in their circle are shitting their pants right now. Yeah, you start to kind of uh, Homer Simpson into the bushes, like yes. distance yourself. Of like, yes. well, we weren't that close. We, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes things up. And I hope it mm-hmm. does shake shake things up because I don't think any one family should be in power for 100 years. That's and just have their hand in everything. There's so many conflicts of interest. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Smith's mother said from the time she lost him that, like, it didn't matter because they were poor. And these mm-hmm. people had so much money. So... At the very least, it will shake some things up, hopefully. According to the news outlet The State, it is rare for the South Carolina Supreme Court to disbar attorneys, even in cases of outrageous misconduct. However, in February of 2021, the court unanimously disbarred an attorney for misappropriating client funds, among other incidents of misconduct. Embezzling clients' funds is a violation of the rules of professional conduct, which prohibit attorneys from engaging in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation. Yeah, he'll never practice law again. He shouldn't. He um today the solicitor's office just said that he's no longer allowed to uh, be a volunteer prosecutor. That I came imagine out, not. Like, yeah, was tweeted like as we were recording, and um, plus you know the law enforcement's on this, the bar is on this. You know, I mean, you can't practice if you're no, in jail. He's so. He's yeah. he is ruined for many reasons. Yeah, I think so. Could claims of substance abuse issues be an attempt to lay the foundation for a later criminal defense? In South Carolina, being intoxicated at the time of a crime does not automatically negate the mindset the state must prove in order to convict a defendant. For instance, claims of intoxication at the time of a capital murder can be used as a mitigating circumstance for a jury to consider when determining guilt or punishment. A capital murder in South Carolina includes instances where two or more persons were murdered by the defendant by one act or course of conduct. So in law school, we talk in hypotheticals. So I'll tell law professor you right now. Okay. Hypothetically, if you are um, stealing money from your law firm and you are possibly stealing money from your estranged wife and you go to confront your estranged wife or she tells you to confront her and your adult son happens to be there, there's some sort of horrific altercation that we now have heard involves a gun from the family premises. And hypothetically, you killed both people in one action. That takes it from murder to capital murder, which means you're eligible for the death penalty. So murder is, you know, a taking of a life with a uh, killing with the malice of forethought. Well, intentional killing with malice of forethought. Well, in South Carolina, two or more people dying in the same course of action is capital murder. So that would be an aggravating circumstance. It would take it from, you know, murder up up to, aggra- you know, up to uh, capital murder. Well, you can't just say, man, I was high on X. You know, I was on you know, oxycodone, I was on, you know, whatever, I was on cocaine, I was drunk or whatever. The intoxication does not take away the fact that you intent- intended to kill them. You can ask, well, a trial court, if there's evidence, sufficient evidence in a record, the trial judge has to put certain mitigating circumstances on the jury charge. It basically has to tell, they tell the jury, when you're going through this, you have to look at 
whether he was under the influence of a mental or emotional disturbance, what his capacity was to appreciate what he was doing at the time, and then the mentality of the defendant at the time of the crime. So all those things, a jury is going to be automatically told to consider those, but it doesn't necessarily just say, well, he was drunk, so you know what he was doing, so it couldn't be murder. You can, you know, you put forth evidence that supports that so that you say, but please don't give me the death penalty. Please don't. Yeah. Please try to uh, negate the mens rea that's required and maybe. And you can also, you know, a lot of times they put forth that evidence to try to get charged with uh, manslaughter, you know, a lesser charge. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So in a case where someone was drunk and killed a family of five driving, that could be considered capital murder because there were five people in the car. Well, so a lot of states, and that's a good question about drunk driving, because I didn't check South Carolina drunk driving laws. But in Texas, like you have intoxication manslaughter, that's something different. So it's a law that's specifically written for you're operating a vehicle and you're intoxicated and you killed someone. That's different than a manslaughter of you shot your gun into a baby shower crowd and you're like, well, I was just trying to test my gun and I was being reckless. That may be involuntary manslaughter. Um or, you know, I was so, uh, you know, I came home and I found someone attacking my my daughter and I, you know, was so enraged that I just killed them right away and I didn't know what I was doing and it was a crime of passion. I was the heat of the moment, you know. And so those, the states t- tend to delineate them. South Carolina criminal laws don't define or delineate degrees of murder like first and second. All murder charges are the killing of a person with malice of forethought and then you have express or implied. So then under state Uh, case law, they've gone through and said there's four types, ultimately. So you have intent to kill murder, which is the murder occurred with the goal or objective of killing the victims. Then you have intent to inflict grievous bodily harm. So the goal was just to hurt somebody and then they ended up passing away. You know, if you're, uh, you know, purposefully going to choke somebody and then they happen to, you know, you accidentally strangle them. Then you have extreme reckless indifference to the value of human, the value of human life. They call that the abandoned and malignant heart murder. And that's where you were doing something that was reckless disregard for human life. And then the felony murder, which is the lowest one, where you were going in to do a burglary and even somebody has a heart attack and they die. Well, you have caused their death by your commission of a felony. And so that counts as felony murder. So, you know, malice of forethought, I think a lot of times you're like, oh, that must be premeditated. But in South Carolina, it just, you know, the there's four possibilities and they list them out. And the first one is intent to kill. So, you know, if you intended to kill... But, you know, if you if if you're thinking from a defense strategy, right, if the prosecution has established the elements of the murder, then, like I said, the the defendant is entitled to say to present elements and evidence supporting whether he had sufficient legal provocation and it was done in the heat of passion. So that's where you hear, you know, heat of passion is not really. You can't just say, well, I was so mad I did this murder or, you know, I, did, I killed someone. I was so angry. You have to prove both heat of passion and sufficient legal provocation. And so, you know, if you use a deadly weapon, you know, if obviously here, if, if hypothetically speaking, if a mother and adult son were killed by two long guns, by a shotgun and an assault rifle, you can't just say, oh, you know, She said she was going to leave me. She said she was going to call the police and tell them about this missing money. South Carolina or South Carolina case law has said words alone are not sufficient to constitute legal provocation. So you can't just say I got home. We had this fight. She told me she was going to leave me and that she was going to report me. And I was so pissed off and I killed her. That's not sufficient for manslaughter because you have to have heat of passion, which you would have there, but you would not have the sufficient legal provocation, which 
under case law, one of the instances was a guy was um, he had driven with his mistress out to this wooded area. And she said, OK, well, we're going to have sex now. And he said, well, I don't want to do that. I'm trying to turn my life around. And so he had walked up to her car and then he took off walking back to his car. And she said, oh, I'm fixing to end this now, which he he pled that he that the implication to him was that she was going to kill him. So he went back to his car, got his gun, walked back and shot her four times. Well, the jury said, well, you could have just gotten your car and driven away. Mm-hmm. So you might have had that heat of passion, but you didn't have that sufficient provocation because it was just words alone. She wasn't trying to run you down with her car. She wasn't. So you legal know. provocation would be you're being attacked or threatened in some way. Yeah. So beyond has, words alone. Uh, words accompanied by hostile acts okay. could, depending on the circumstances, words accompanied by hostile acts could reduce a charge from murder to voluntary manslaughter. So it just, it couldn't, basically the the test also is, in the mind of an ordinary person. So if you're like, well, I was all high on, you know, this type of substance and I didn't, I wasn't thinking and she said this and I just freaked out and I did this, that's not sufficient. It's the mind of an ordinary person. And they also use the phrase capable of cool reflection. You know, are you far enough away? Like with the the case with the, the woman in the car, he was already at his car. He had to go back to his car to get his gun. That's perfect time to have cool reflection and go, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm going to get in the car and drive away. Yeah. Just it's also premeditated off. because you're thinking, well, yeah. I'm grabbing this gun and I'm going back to kill her. Yeah, you turned around. So they, they say really it's going to be you walk in the room, you see your kid getting attacked, you jump on the person and you just strangle him to death. Because you were like, I couldn't, I had no time to coolly reflect. Uh, somebody's life was in danger or was being injured. I had to come and do that, you know. But if it was, oh, well, we got in a fight and I was next to the hunting lodge and I just got pissed off or, you know, like that does not, I would say that would not cool it. And then those, even if you say, well, here's a, you know, we were in, uh, hypothetically, if you're a gentleman whose, you know, wife and son were killed and you're like, well, I spent this time in rehab in the interim, you know, I had this drug abuse problem uh, and I was on drugs at the time. You can present that evidence, totally allowed to present that evidence. The trial judge is under South Carolina law required to put that on the jury charge. So you get, you know, when you done jury duty, you get this long piece of paper that's like, do you find this element? Do you find this element? Do you find this element? And it's like, do you find these mitigating circumstances are sufficiently supported by evidence? And they can take it into account, but I don't think... You're going to look at the damage that was done to yeah. those victims and say, oh, well, you were just high and so you did that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And as far as intent to kill. Yeah. They were shot. Each Polly and Maggie were each shot multiple times. I mean, if it was like one shot each, perhaps I could believe that the intent was just to do them bodily harm. But when Maggie is shot multiple times with an assault rifle and Paul is shot in the chest and in the head with a shotgun, Mm -hmm. that seems like you're making sure that they are not going to be around anymore. And that's exactly, you're exactly right, Your Honor, Judge Christie. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But because murder is a specific intent crime. And so these concepts of general intent and specific intent were developed because you don't want somebody who is, you know, pissed off and in a bar fight and they hit somebody with a bottle over their head and that kills them to get, you know, and they're drunk and it kills somebody that they get the death penalty because it was, you know, we want to, it's not, we don't live in a black and white world. We want to have the justice system available to take in various factors, right? Well, murder is they you want to have that specific intent to cause the death. And the 
whole intoxication offense, really, you're using that to raise reasonable doubt as to that intention. You yeah. you say, well, I couldn't have intended it because I was so high I didn't know. Yeah. Well, you're not you saying, can... I was really high and I killed them, but I shouldn't be held accountable because I was so high. Yeah. And you can, you can just say, I should be held accountable, but only as to you know, voluntary manslaughter because I was so impassioned, you know, so it's it's basically different shades of defense that you're going to try to present. Yeah. Um, will they be effective? I, I don't know. Will they even happen? Uh, we don't know. Like I said, if that went all... to trial and this all happened, I can't imagine the jury taking that into consideration, considering the grievous nature of the crime, as well as it's going to, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody if, if hypothetically, Alec goes to trial for something, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a jury that doesn't know what's going on here. Well, and I think the question is, the capacity, one of the mitigating factors is, does he have the capacity, does this hypothetical defendant, if he was on some type of drug at the time, have the capacity to appreciate the criminality of what he's doing? And I think you could say, as drunk as you are, or as high as you are, you know if you point a shotgun at someone's face and Mm -hmm. pull the trigger... That is an intent to kill. It's not like, well, I shot it up in the air and then it rained down and then he was killed and I was just being reckless. It's like the intent is through is basically proven through the action that if you point an AR at someone's body, you know that the natural consequence is going to be that they die, mm-hmm. you know, and, and pull the trigger and fire multiple times. And the same with if you point a shotgun at someone's face, the your intent is implied by you, especially if it ain't the well, I didn't know how guns worked. Well, you own a hunting lodge, yeah. right? You own yeah. the gun, you own the hunting lodge, you're a hunter. Hypothetically, this defendant owns all those things. Yes. So I think that you would be really hard pressed that even like I said, that doesn't it's not a get out of jail free card. It's literally just mitigating circumstances that the jury can go, uh, well, we give that point zero zero one percent of consideration mm-hmm. and don't care about it and, you know, convict. Yeah. Anyone with information about the shooting of Alec Murdoch, no matter how insignificant, is encouraged to contact Crime Stoppers of the Lowcountry at 843-554-1111. Anyone with information on the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch can call a 24-hour dedicated tip line set up by SLED at 803-896-2605. If you or someone you know has information about the death of Stephen Smith, please contact Crime Stoppers by texting TIPSC plus your message to Crimes or 274-637. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 188-CRIME-SC. All tipsters can remain anonymous and can earn up to $1,000 for a successful tip. All right, let me sit up. (laughs) She's getting ready. (laughs) So what do we think? I want to hear your theory. Okay. Before I completely recant my part two theory. I think just because we've been talking about this uh, for 24 hours straight now that yes. I think we have pretty much the same theory. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we talked about how much we can really say here as far as defamation purposes, but because he is now a public figure and so much has come out. Here's the thing. What are your damages, my guy? I'm not ruining your reputation <laughs> yeah, more than yeah. him. And if you maybe you're like, oh, not to, okay, well, all right. Best if of our, luck. You know what? If our podcast ruins his reputation, then we're way more successful than I thought. I don't yeah, I was think like, he ain't listening. Go yeah, I don't think we're going to be the ones to do that. <laughs> These are famous last words. So, like, exhibit A is Ms. McKinney, an attorney, <laughs> saying he ain't listening. Yeah. Um, so last episode, I had two theories. One was that 
someone with an axe to grind that the Murdochs had wronged, uh, specifically Paul, came to kill him and Maggie was collateral damage. My second theory was, I said, I don't think it's impossible that the family could have been involved. I am going to now say I 100% think that the family is involved. Here's what I think. That's your happened. opinion based on the evidence. Yes. We've that, yes. Here's what I think happened. I think um, based on, I mean, the evidence has just come out in the past 48 hours. We know Alec was stealing millions from the law firm where he worked. Mm-hmm. We know that Maggie was, we already knew this. They were separated at the time of her death. They were not living in the same houses. She was going to file for divorce. And we now know she hired a forensic investigator to also look into their funds. I think Alec went to, actually, I don't, I don't know. This is where the only thing I'm not sure of. I don't know if Alec did this himself or he hired someone. I'm inclined to think he hired someone just because to brutally shoot your uh, wife and son is something that, I mean, even as much as you might want someone gone, that's a lot to do. So I think that someone was hired to do this. Well, now that I'm saying this out loud, the more people you bring into it, though, that's the more people that can flip on you. So I don't know. I think that Maggie was the intended target. Mm-hmm. I think either Alec or a hired man, a hired hitman, went to the hunting lodge to kill her. I think Paul ran up on it, heard something, and I don't think he was. They intended to kill him. I think he was killed because he was he was there and maybe tried to defend his mom, maybe put up a fight. We know he had a volatile temper. Also, I mean. If somebody's on your property uh, trying to gun you down, I think even if you didn't have a volatile temper, you're about to get one. We do know that one of the guns was from their place. So Mm -hmm. I think that there could have been two people there, two killers. And because Paul got involved and they weren't expecting him there to get involved, that they grabbed a gun from the hunting lodge and, and used that. I think that Alec drove out to that road with the intent to kill himself and either did not fire properly because he was trying to make it look... um, Actually, I don't even think he was probably trying to make it look like anything. I think he had the intention to kill himself and at the last second decided not to either pulled the gun away or yanked his head away and it just grazed his head and gave him a superficial wound. I think he then called his brother mm-hmm. and said, I've done this. You know, I, I, I can't live with what I've done anymore or what's happened. His brother said, you need to make this look like a staged crime. Alec then fired off the gun six other times. So there were shell casings everywhere, slashed his own tire. Mm-hmm. And then called 911. I think it's possible that someone drove to the scene, took the weapon that was used, took either a knife that had been used to slash the tire or slash the tire themselves to help stage the scene, and then left. And then he gets 
care flighted to the hospital. You are correct. I mean, we've been talking as for the past 24 hours, so you're right in saying that our, our theories, I think, align pretty well. My problem in part two, I'm sure you know some people are binging straight through, the problem I had with everyone accusing Alec of being however involved with Paul and Maggie's deaths is that I did not see a motive. I couldn't figure out what would have somebody up against a wall freaking out and to to either orchestrate or commit an act like that. I just it didn't it didn't click with me. I didn't, you know, I I need to I need a clear motive. Then when you tell me that not only did he steal millions of dollars, like it shows what somebody is capable of. When you go like this is a lawyer, right? You know, he may be kind of an asshole, whatever, people don't like him. He's got a shitty kid that he covers for, whatever, that's all fine. At the end of the day, you know, he's got these obligations. We have these ethical standards that we're held to as lawyers. Surely, no. When whenever I heard he didn't give a fuck about ethical obligations, he's stealing millions of dollars, I was like, "Oh, he's capable of anything." It's not whether that's committing a murder orchestrating a murder, whatever, not only does that give you huge motive to that you were doing that for however long you were doing it, and then you got caught doing it, but also now with all the new information that was coming out in um, Connor Cook's Rule 20, yeah, I think it was Connor's Rule 27 petition, where they started showing that there's this like concerted effort by Alec to influence witnesses, influence law enforcement, where you now have people who, like you said, previously were afraid are now willing to step up and say, he told me not to say this. That's what we call obstruction of justice. It's common law obstruction. It's probably also statutory tampering with a witness, although I don't know that he used a force or threat, but it's at the very minimum common law um, obstruction of justice. So you start to see, okay, that's another thing. Now he's stealing money. Now he's something's going on with Maggie's money. He has this substance use issue. Some people online were speculating, you know, where would he get these drugs? Did he have drug dealers that he was friends with from doing the prosecution? My thing is, if you're a personal injury attorney, probably you know a doctor that's willing to listen to your complaints about how bad your back is yeah. hurting. Yeah. Maybe you have multiple doctors. Who knows? But I don't know that he would need to like resort to like going into the cartel. I'm like nah. people just buy pills. Them. Have you watched um what is that show on AMC? The go fuck him. Kevin can fuck himself. You just buy I your pills. I haven't watched it yet. You just buy your pills from the folks down the street. I don't no spoilers, but it's not hard to like obtain substances. And so I don't think that that's all involved. But so once you see that somebody's willing to do those things, I'm less. It shocks my conscience less that that yeah. something like that yeah. would have happened. I think that. If your family has been this legal dynasty for a hundred years and that could come crashing down because your spouse or possibly even your spouse and your child know that you have been stealing money, you might go to great lengths to protect your reputation and your finances. When I think you're going to, we'll see as everything comes out, I'm sure that the, because you say, okay, these people are really rich. Why would you steal money from the law firm? But I'm sure some of it, some of the family money is tied up in assets. Also, if you look at for grandpa, Alec wasn't an only child, right? There's other brothers who are stand to inherit or siblings. And who knows if it doesn't just, when you're rich like that, by the way, it does not just pass through the laws of intestate. There are family trusts set up. There's going to be possibly a will, probably a will, but you know everything's probably going to pass through these trusts that we know that they have because 
the trust was listed as a defendant in the Mallory Beach wrongful death. So from that perspective, it's not like, okay, well, grandpa will just die or, you know, his dad, Alex's dad will just die and he'll get all this money and he'll be fine and he can pay back the law firm. That's not going to be a solution because he's not going to get every penny. Mm -hmm. Plus, Alex's mom is still alive. So probably everything would go to the wife or at least to ensure her care throughout her life, you know, her remaining life because she's um, living with dementia. Same. The the only other thing is you can think of, okay, as a couple, if you are really wealthy, we've seen they have this like Lloyd's of London insurance policy that paid out on Gloria Satterfield. And we haven't had these financial records released in the Mallory Beach civil lawsuit, which was due right before the Mm -hmm. murder or right after the murders. Because who knows what those finances would show? Maybe that they were really broke, that he had spent all this money defending Paul. He spent money paying off other people or paying out whatever he needed to or trying to pay back the law firm. You know, do you say, well, I have an insurance policy against my family? So if something happened. Honestly, as you were just talking, I started questioning if the intent was also to kill Paul because I forgot about how those financial records were about to be due in the beach case and how Maggie and Paul were going to be named on that suit. Yes. And so, you know, that's that was what was um, stated in, in some of the reports. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, there are slayer statutes in states. Speaking hypothetically, if you take someone's life and you're the beneficiary of an insurance policy, then you cannot you can basically can't profit off of a death that you caused um and then similarly it's um i think it's the son of sam law where you can't like write a book to make money off of a crime that you committed i don't know that south carolina has one i haven't looked into it but there are these hopefully safeguards but when somebody's desperate and backed into a corner and is stands accused of stealing millions of dollars and you know doesn't have anywhere to turn i don't know that they're necessarily thinking that maybe maybe if it's you know if i end this now our current family trust will remain intact and i'll have access to that and it would have otherwise been cut in half or more in the Mm -hmm. divorce who knows so again but my my problem with um pointing the finger at what is in almost all investigations the most likely suspect even if it's not the person that did it but always the first suspect was that there was no motive and then over the last weekend it's just a motive after motive mm-hmm. after motive have just come right out so his life was crumbling down i mean yeah. stealing from the law firm possibly now the um Rule 27 petition that we talked about in the last episode was building this case against him for civil conspiracy to sue him for civil conspiracy and then as well possibly make a complaint of obstruction or, you know, um, intimidating a witness, like I said, depending on what he said to him. You have that to grapple with. You're also now listed in this civil suit where you're deaf going to lose. Like, come on now. Like, the evidence was there. Even if you can't prove that Paul was driving the boat in the Mallory Beach case beyond a reasonable doubt— there's no question that he was. You could at least prove it was civilly. your boat. Well, yeah, and you can prove that your negligence was you had no, you know, you had knowledge of kids drinking on there. Whether mm-hmm. it's text from the kids going, "Hey, we're going to the island to party with the friends," or, you know, or something like that. So, yeah, th- that was not going to come out well for them. And if you're having insurance company problems because the insurance company is like, "We have paid a lot of death claims out." <laughs> Like, we're not doing this anymore. Then you're going to be on the hook for that. Plus, you know, the attorney's fees up front. It was he was in a real bad way. Do you think would it be 
known to him that he was being investigated for months by his firm on misappropriation of funds? Or would that have come as like a, a surprise to someone? Yeah, my experience in under my understanding of law firm policy generally is that you don't tell somebody that they're under investigation. It's like the FBI. If you're investigation under investigation with the FBI, you don't know until they show up with handcuffs and they have an entire file on you. I assumed with- that they hadn't told him, but I wondered if he like had a, a feeling. Well, and now I wonder too if it's like you at what point has have you gone too far? Yeah. And you're like, they probably know. Yeah. But yeah. you're blind to yourself and you're like, but I'll put it back. I'll just I'll put mm-hmm. it back. So and to I, your and point of why would he steal if they're loaded if he has a substance abuse issue and that he's trying to fund and mm-hmm. doesn't want his spouse to see uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever coming out to support that, then you might look elsewhere. I had an older adult client that I was helping that had gotten scammed by a tenant in her house, and he had managed to wrangle $30,000 from her, and something over the course of like a month, it was gone, and he was on he was on OxyContin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I mean, who knows what else he spent it on, whatever, but... Did I say oxycodone earlier? Yeah, you meant, did you I mean think, oxycodone? Yeah, I meant oxycodone, yeah. Um, and yeah, he... So it's an, exp- you know, it's an expensive habit, especially depends on how much you do, what what quality you're getting, where you're getting it from. And then also just, like I said, there's other there's other expenses here. And also, he wasn't driving around in a Toyota Tercel. You know, he's driving around a brand new Mercedes. Sure. I mean, they have You're a still lifestyle. Living that life. that, yeah, yeah, they have a, a lifestyle they're Going golfing, to. going on boats, owning boats. You know, a boat's like a hole in the water with, that you pour money into. You know, so there's a lot of expenses. So I think that the walls were all crumbling down with between civil suits, possible criminal suits with the Mallory Beach tampering, the criminal suit now with the... Money laundering or not money laundering, embezzlement of um, funds from the firm, whether it's from the firm itself or from uh, clients, all of these things are are building up to put a person in an extremely desperate mindset. Yeah. I just Googled it because I wanted to see, make sure I was. Yeah. So OxyContin. Sorry, we're not expert on illegal (laughs) OxyContin and Oxycodone, it says, are same in many ways, but OxyContin is a brand name drug and Oxycodone is a generic name of an active ingredient. So it sounds like they're, yeah. But Oxycontin would be, I assuming what he would be getting because it is the, the brand name. Oh, come on. He's not shop. He's not the Equate brand cereal. He's going for the lucky charms. Come on now. Yeah. So I totally agree. I think that there's a ton of motive now that points to him. I do. I wonder a couple of things. Um, I wonder if he did it, if he hired someone to do it, if he also intended to kill Paul, because if he was going to, if he was going to kill Paul, I wonder why Buster would have also not been targeted. Mm -hmm. So I'm more inclined to think Paul was there and was killed out of necessity to whoever, whoever killed them. He was fighting back or whatever. I also wonder if the Randolph Sr. may have known some stuff that was going on. I mean, he died three days after they were killed. If perhaps he advised 
or at the very least knew that um, some shit was going down. I kind of wonder, like, who all knew in the family that he was stealing? Or has this come to a shock to, like, everyone except that's still alive? Yeah, and I wonder if it's like a reverse deathbed confession that you, you know, the person's on their deathbed and you confess something to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, well, he's, you know. Yeah. Before you go, I have something I want to get off my I'm chest sure or I need advice on. it's extremely stressful to live with with that kind of knowledge that you're, I mean, like with Tom Girardi, like you've just constantly building a, a house of cards on sand, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that, that's all going to come crumbling down super fast. And in both cases, it did. One obviously more uh, horrific than the other, but. Similar in a lot of ways. Well, and I want to get to, we had some listener questions. I put it mm-hmm. out on the show social media to say if you had any legal questions. And then we got some non-legal questions. My favorite was, how dare you, Alex Murdoch? Or <laughs> Alec Murdoch? Great question. Um, so the first two is something I actually wanted to cover. And we'll go ahead and just uh, do it in the form of the listener questions. Michelle and Noni both asked whether Alex shot himself or whether this was a staged shooting and whether and Shawnee asked whether there was a gunshot residue test on Alex's hand. There was no um, I didn't see anything in any of the sled statements that his hands were tested for GSR. I imagine there would be. As for whether, you know, he shot himself or it was staged. I think that uh, I did a little research and without getting into too graphic of details, it is possible to be up and talking with a gunshot wound to the head either self-inflicted or inflicted by a third party um i mean gut level one you know you get fired from your law firm you're told by sled that the shit's gonna hit the fan duffy stone quit two weeks three weeks ago probably called i mean would you not be like i have to quit even if he doesn't tell you why he's quitting it's at least in the news that you see he's quitting and you can put two and two together Mm mm-hmm whether it was in an effort to stage it, to look like, oh, the same people that attacked my family attacked me, or having a mental health issue, crisis, and then, like you said, either it was a failed incident or, uh, you know, purposefully gr- narrow grazing or whatever. We, we're not sure. That's all going to be stuff that you can't hide it. You know, when there's mm-hmm. an incident like that, I spoke with a trauma nurse who's been a trauma nurse for 30 years, and I just kind of said, you know, when when somebody presents, well, I said, first of all, why would they have care flighted him to Savannah? She's like, you take him to the hospital, you know, first responders on the scene, stabilize him, take him to the hospital, stabilize him, and then you're going to take him to a trauma unit. That's standard, especially with a, a gunshot wound, because you're not sure the extent of the damage. But she said, we knew when people came in, the. Mm-hmm. she said, you can, you basic physics and trajectories, you can tell, you yeah. know, kind of offhanded. So the... Maybe that's why there's not an APB out. I'll say that on yeah. on alleged attackers. Yeah. That's another thing with Paul and Maggie's murders, too, is I still wonder what was found there that the police immediately were like, there's no threat to the public. Yeah. As far as these missing facts, um, to that that. Uh, point, Aburn asked, has someone from an outside agency been requesting open records on the case? That's kind of two different things. Open records is for the public and for the press. So I'm sure all the local news agencies and now like the New York Times is involved in the Daily Mail and the Post. I'm sure there's tons of requests. SLED has tried to be, I think, more forthcoming, at least on the Maggie and Paul incidents with instead of having to be asked for it, they put them out there. Mm -hmm. 
have, I mean, they made a voluntary, you know, they made a report on their own in this case, although they were sort of tight-lipped about parts of it. As far as outside agencies, SLED is working on it. Like I said, whether the feds will come in to investigate the misappropriation of funds or the Stephen Smith incident, if they, they have, uh, there was reports the FBI requested his phone, that would be something for later. But right now, it seems like SLED is really the state level investigators have taken the lead. Uh, Jessica asked how much life insurance did his wife and son have? We don't know, but that definitely points to some type of motive. Jordan said, what about the case that the beaches have against Paul Murdoch? I assume you mean the civil case. Paul was never named in that case, but Buster was named, Alec was named, and the family trust, and that's still proceeding. So, and and- Paul and Maggie, by, from what we read, were about to be named, and then they were killed. And I, I don't know that there would be anything wrong with adding them to try to go after their estate because it was something that they did before they passed away. But if you're, I don't know, that's all strategy, but we haven't heard that anything that they're not proceeding against that mm-hmm. or not proceeding with that. Um, M Potter asked what type of law did PMPED handle? They did personal injury and then railroad incidents. That's how they made all their money yeah. was mm-hmm. claims against the old railroad. What do they do now? I don't know. They took their website offline. So <laughs> yeah, last time I checked there, was- uh, they got some, they're trying to put out some fires over there not only was it offline but then uh they spelled temporarily offline wrong and everybody Uh-oh. roasted them for it and so they they have since um fixed it but yeah their whole entire website is offline so i don't know if that's just because they didn't want you know people screenshotting it doesn't you know i don't know but uh it's not uh it's not up anymore i'm sure they're still in business but probably just doing a ton of damage control yeah um Oh, Bang said, in general, how common is misappropriating funds? Why do people cheat like this? Here's the thing. I think people have been stealing for millennia. And it's only recently with a lot more digital receipts that you see a lot more of these incidences being caught. I'm sure there were people stealing and doing shady shit in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. As long as there's been people, there's been people doing shady shit. Well, and Bernie Madoff did his shit forever, and it was eventually, you know, when there's more of a paper trail that somebody can start sniffing around and figure it out. So we don't know how long he's allegedly been stealing funds, but I think it seems like we have a lot more of lawyers or investment advisors or whoever stealing money from clients, but I think it's not that they're doing it more. I think that they're getting caught more Mm -hmm. often, and I would hope that a lot of this fail-safes that are in place, you know, with nowadays, you know, if you need to send a wire out, you have to verbally talk to the client. Things like that would hopefully keep them from trying to do it, especially knowing they're getting tracked. And like your phone is tracked, every text you send, every email you send, especially at a law firm, you're not going to hide. So I don't know if it's as it's, I mean, I think it's as common as it ever was. I just think more people are getting caught because the evidence is I think easier. that pertains to a lot of stuff. Same. Well, DNA, all <laughs> that, you on. know. I, or yeah, I mean, just like, uh, all the movements we see and everything, police violence, everything. It's not like all of this just started happening more. It's that now people have cell phones to record stuff. Mm-hmm. They're, they report more. It's just we see it more, but it's always been happening. This was like were people going crazy in public places way more than before. And it's like, I think it's just filmed more often. Yeah. Maybe yes, yeah. but also I think it's just filmed more often. Yeah. So Bella and Sohirsch on Instagram both asked us to compare Alec Murdoch's misappropriation of funds with Tom Girardi. Mm-hmm. 
And Tom Girardi, if you guys don't listen to, well, you should listen to our two-parter on The Housewife and the Hustler, which mm-hmm. is Tom Girardi and his wife, Erica Jane, from Real Housewives. Yes, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, specifically. And, I mean, she's a pretty dynamic character on The Real Housewives. She is, yeah. Yeah, we also just had an episode with Ryan Bailey from So Bad It's Good, where we talked all about this as well. Well, Tom Girardi was accused of not only misappropriating client funds, so actually taking settlements from, as they the refrain on Real Housewives is, from orphans and widows, which is completely accurate, mm-hmm. and taking their rightful personal injury settlements, putting them ultimately in his own pocket and telling them, oh, I'll give it to you soon. Oh, it's being invested. Oh, I'll let you know. And meanwhile, he was also taking money from lenders, from personal injury litigation basically his law firm's lender. So it was loans that were made to the law firm. It looked like he was basically borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. He was lending out his lawsuits multiple times. The details we have right now on Alex, uh, Alec Murdoch is not, I mean, we really only know that he's misappropriated funds according to this firm statement. So that could mean either inappropriate charges on the firm card to writing checks to yourself out of the firm bank account that you're not supposed to, or taking client settlement funds. I think in a firm like this, there would be way more checks and balances than Tom Girardi's firm. Girardi Keese was 100% owned and controlled by Tom Girardi, even though there was a second person's name on it. Here you have, and I couldn't tell you because I couldn't look at the law firm's website because it's taken offline, but here you have more than one attorney that's in charge. So this mm-hmm. was not the Alec Murdoch firm and he's just using it as his piggy bank. This is, there's a you know at least five, probably 10, 20, however many attorneys there's people in charge are going to have a, you know, a person that's in charge of the finances that you're going to have the person that's in charge of operations. So there is way more checks and balances. And so probably it would be less impacting the clients because to get money out of the client trust account, I'm assuming it's more than just writing a check, that they're mm-hmm. a, a legitimate operation that's been in business for 100 years. They have checks and balances that nobody, not even granddaddy founder, great granddaddy founder's grandbaby can go in and, you know, pluck money out of the till. So I think they're what we'll see is probably something more like overpaying himself or billing, like said, billing more than he should or something like that. Yeah. Or. Billing stuff. Yes, exactly. Or sometimes you'll see attorneys get in trouble because they have associates at the firm, you know, partners have associates at the firm working on stuff on firm time, but not billing it to the firm. And ultimately, you're stealing from the firm because, you know, if I'm supposed to bill at $900 an hour to the firm and you're having me work 10 hours for you, And that's 10 hours that I didn't work for the firm, but you're like, oh, bill it to firm general or bill it to client X. They they have a lot of billings on their case. In that case, you have kind of misappropriated and stolen from another client because you've billed my hours working on, say, I don't know, a family issue (laughs) that you had, some type of civil litigation that you're personally going through. Um, And that that in theory, that's, you know, that's kind of more misconduct. When you say misappropriating funds, to me... That sounds more like you're charging things you're not supposed to charge, uh, writing checks, but it would be more out of the firm operating account versus client funds being at risk. Just because client the client trust situation is so sacred that a firm with more than one person, you know, you kind of watch over each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why Tom, Tom Girardi was able to 
take money out of the firm, the client trust account because it was just him. Like there yeah. was no one looking over his shoulder. So I think it's less likely that Alec Murdoch stole from clients directly. I think it's more likely that he misappropriated firm resources and assets. Well, they're going to have to give some answers soon, I would imagine, because this is hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. If you're um, if if now that the Murdoch saga has ended, at least as of publication, not ended, but there's we don't have any more to report right now. If you want a more hot content on lawyers stealing money, boy, have we got something for you with Tom Girardi. Yeah. And I imagine that we will have more for you on this as well when more comes out about his shooting and his wife and son shootings. I mean, it's all going to come out eventually. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we may not know at least as far as what happened on, you know, this past weekend with the shooting with him, we may not know exactly how, what happened, you know, how it happened and in what order and things. But I think that sled is on the case with the new development that caused Duffy Stone to retire or retire to recuse himself that Paul and Maggie's killing will be murders will be, you know, I'll say solved, but we'll know. We'll know who did that. We may not know why or specifically how, but I think there right now there's so much heat on this case. There's no way that it's not mm-hmm. as far as what happened to him, you know, Saturday afternoon, I think that the phone records, which is what you said the second it happened, you're like, I want to see those phone records and know who he called in what order, Mm -hmm. which I think is the right instinct. I think those will tell a story of what happened as well as ballistics testing on the bullets of what type of gun did this come from? Is this a type of gun that you owned? What direction did the bullets come? You know, I think you'd think I'm smarter than these fucking investigators. Well, you also know a lot of them. True. And you've controlled the narrative mm-hmm. for a yeah. long time that you're like, they're not going to stop me. Like mm-hmm. I can. What, what are they going to do? When in reality, now you have somebody that's called in from another city. He's like, I don't give a shit who you are. Yeah. I hope I hope especially that Stephen Smith, we see justice for that or yeah. his, and his his family and that the Beach family also sees what they're they're owed in this whole thing because I, I hope that those stories don't get brushed under the rug with these, you know, these murders and attempted murder, attempted suicide. We don't know kind of taking the spotlight. Like uh, there's still this, this goes deep. It goes so deep. Yeah. And I think it'll, there are sufficient professionals now working on this case that on all those elements, like, Mallory Beach's mom, you know, she has a civil attorney that's going to be a dogged representative for her and a zealous advocate for her. Plus, you have those who wanted to prosecute Paul. I mean, obviously, he's not going to get prosecuted for that. But if they find anybody else was complicit, criminally complicit, they are not going to just go, well, you know, Paul's dead. It's too late. You know, I think they're willing to look into things. Again, is it because everyone's now watching them? Yeah. Possibly. Does that make it? I mean, you want somebody to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But also if they do the right thing because they're being watched, it's honesty through paranoia. I mean, it's kind of like Rosengart with with Brittany. I mean, you're not going to get assigned to a case and just like wait for stuff to happen. You're going to go in there with guns blazing because, you know, the whole world is watching. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's the other thing too. Yeah. Do you do it because well, I want to make a name for myself. That's fine. I don't care. Make a name for yourself. As long as, as, long as, as, long as shit gets, gets done. Yeah. I will say I'm very curious as to where Buster is going to fall in this whole thing because we have not heard anything from him, and uh, there's a lot of speculation that he was definitely involved in the murder of Stephen Smith. So. See how that goes. So as far as Alec, what is the next stage for him? Is he just at home right now and then he could be arrested at any minute? He's in rehab. Okay, yeah, that's right. He's in rehab and then... We don't know how long that takes or if I was the government or SLED, I would make sure that it is rehab in a state... Play, you know, a place that's within South Carolina that's not like, say, in the Bahamas or yeah. the Cayman Islands or the Jersey. You know, you want to make sure that he's not going, but this rehab facility is in Hawaii or and then mm-hmm. he go, stops in Hawaii and then goes off into another country with no extradition. Like, you want to make sure that you know, that's well and good. You're all you're a person of interest, though. Don't leave the country. Could he this might be a stupid question. Can you not be arrested if he's there? Like, do you think he may have gone to rehab as like kind of a way to avoid or evade arrest for right now and also to maybe make it look good if he goes to trial well people are saying that possibly he i mean it doesn't it sounds like that the addiction was not made up no i'm not saying that at all i'm saying like you're like oh well now would be a good time to go to rehab while i got a lot of shit going on if you are a pr firm and your client uh, maybe there's whispers, really loud whispers from across the globe that he is a cold-blooded murderer and staged all this stuff, and then his law firm says he stole money. I think an image rehabilitation saying, I'm taking responsibility mm-hmm. for my substance issues and I'm going to go to rehab. So I think a lot of things can be true. He can really need it. He probably, you know, if this open secret is true, he probably does. It also makes you look a little bit more sympathetic because although the statement is a little bit me, me, me of these murders have made me have an issue. And you're like, well, they're dead. So I think that's the ultimate inconvenience in this situation. I mean, if if he had nothing to do with it, then I would say, of course, yeah, if you walk up and you see your wife and son have been brutally killed, that's going to send anybody into a tailspin. But if he had something to do with it, you can't then use that as an excuse for why you've now <laughs> gone off the rails. And if he if he's not responsible, which, you know, technically hasn't been charged, if it is something like, oh, I put this person in jail, they got out of jail, and now their revenge is to come and kill my family, you still would take that on, and it would still, mm-hmm. like you said, send you into a tailspin. And then as to your question, though, they can arrest you anywhere. Okay, I mean, I the assume judge- they could, so... Well, and a judge may say, oh, well, he's in the middle of a treatment program. We'll have him stay there, but you have to stay there. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out, we're either going to put you, you know, put you in custody or, or you know, house arrest or whatever. But, yeah, it's not a, you know, get out of jail free card. They arrest people in the hospital all the time. If they need treatment, they get to sit in the hospital for their treatment. But once that's over and they're better, they don't just unhandcuff them and go, well, damn, we should have arrested you when you were feeling better. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we got to let you go. It's no. OK, well, now the process is starting. If he knew, like, if we hear on Friday that he gets arrested, he would probably, and he's like, well, I'm in a 60-day treatment, mm-hmm. then at least you get to spend 60 days in rehab, yeah. so you kind of have bought yourself time. 
So if you had some type of inkling that an arrest was imminent, why yeah. wouldn't you check into somewhere that you'd rather stay and then say, medically, I have these doctors in my facility telling me I medically have to stay here for 60 days for my substance use issues. Then a judge would likely say, OK, well, after 60 days, you got to come out. Well, in the meantime, your lawyer can kind of work and try to finagle. Yeah. And you're also um, not sitting in a jail cell. Yeah, I just bought you some time. So Yeah. Well, we will Lots definitely update as this uh, as this progresses. Like we said, we had a whole other <laughs> episode queued up and ready to go. And then we're like, called an Audible said, <laughs> yeah, you'll hear that one in two weeks because next week we'll be doing yes. the episode that all of our new Patreons in the Getting Into It tier voted on. So they know what it's going to be. We know what it's going to be. But if you're not in that tier and you want to know what it's going to be, you could join it and then you could find out. Yeah. You <laughs> Otherwise, you have to all, wait until next week. Mm-hmm. All kinds of fun stuff. Um, if you also just want to find out what it's like to see us live, we have a live show coming up in several different cities. We're going to Tacoma, Portland, Denver, Salt Lake City, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston in that order. Mm-hmm. So head to SinisterHood.com slash live shows and you can get your tickets and there's details on different COVID restrictions. You know, if you have to be vaccinated or negative COVID tests, masks, all that good stuff, uh, keeping it safe and keeping it creepy. And you can also get (laughs) the VIP meet and greet. There are some left in some cities. Some are sold out, but some are still remaining. And we'll give you an elbow bump. We may be wearing face shields. We don't know, but sign something for you. No mouth stuff, but, uh, you know, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll fist bump you. We'll see. Yeah. So take pictures, all that fun stuff. Get <laughs> we'll to take, just definitely shoot the shit. Also, I wanted to say Houston show Heather's birthday. It is. So and th- the Dallas show is sold out. We still don't know if we're going to get more tickets opened or um, a second show added. But I wouldn't wait on that. I would Mm-mm. just say, you know what, we're doing a road trip and go to the Houston show. There's also tickets for the San Antonio show if you want to do that. But Houston's going to be a lot of fun. It's my uh, birthday party in H Town after the show. Yeah. And confirmed that my friend Roro got two tables. So Ooh, I always say Roro brings the party. Come get a get a meet and greet and meet me. Who cares? Meet Roro. She's the best. So <laughs> it since it is my birthday, she's already said she's gonna plan a fun a fun post show thing. So we'll I'm figure that out. I'm excited to meet Roro. Oh, everyone should be. She's she's the greatest. Um so yeah, so go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows and uh meet us meet us somewhere near you. Yes. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tiers, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, True Crime Headlines. The video content we released last week was the video, unedited, ad-free interview of us with Ryan Bailey from So Bad It's Good. We talked about Nexium, Free Britney, Erica Girardi, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Jen Shaw, who got arrested. So we have all kinds of pop culture crime. And uh, you can see our, our lovely faces on screen chatting with Ryan. And uh, like I said, no ads, totally unedited. So 
head over. And also, uh, we're going to be doing some live content for the Getting Into It tier. We have a live Q&A for reeling the airwaves and getting into it. And then we have a live performance of our Patreon bonus content. So, so much fun. Um, and, and you get it all in these new tiers. The votes are underway on oh, yeah. what the next one's going to be. So, we don't know. we'll see. We don't yeah. Know. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As with Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. That Discord server is where all the hot Alec Murdoch stories were popping off this weekend. It lit up. Yes. It lit up. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. If you choose this option, you will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. Make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out and just as a little FYI, we're about a month behind on shout-outs because... It's a good problem to have that we just have so many to get through. So if you haven't heard yours yet, please do not worry. We promise we will get to it. We're just, uh, we're a little bit behind. It's pretty much four episodes from when you signed up. That's yes. how you can kind of calculate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. My mom got a Let's Get an Into It pink t-shirt. Hell yeah. She, uh, she cut the Wait, shoulders down. what? A pink yeah. one. Oh, let's get the into it. One. I was thinking, t- don't tell me to calm down because honestly, uh, that's very on brand for Nancy McKinney. And I feel <laughs> like she needs to get that ASAP. <laughs> I'll get her that one too. But she got the let's get into it. So it's pink. She cut the shoulders off. She oh. rolled up the sleeves. She made shrinky dink buttons that match the skull on the shirt. And she put the buttons on the folded shirt. And then she cut the bottom and made it like tied up. I'm just saying. Wait, is, this, is she wearing this? Oh, yeah. I mean, she loves the shirt. It's very cute. She didn't make like, see a crop a picture top. of this. I can't I'll even picture it. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So I'm just saying, this merch is great as is, but also just like let your imagination run wild. Yeah. She got like a size or two uh, like higher so that she could make all these modifications to it. It's so cute. I also got my niece a very cute, keep it creepy shirt. So if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag and be just as cool as my mom, head to uh, sinisterhood.com and click on shop in the top banner. I also got to say, Uh, We got a very special, exclusive, let's get into it, tour 2021 shirt in the works. I'm thinking by what's this is going to come out Wednesday, Wednesday, the 8th. It could be you could see it today, which is really tomorrow Tomorrow. in our land right now, or possibly Thursday. It's almost it's almost ready. And it is dope AF. I'm so excited. I love it. It's uh, designed by Jude Sutton, who's day off, mm-hmm. and they are one of the greatest and my favorite artists. I, I have so many pieces from Jude, and I'm so yes. excited to have, just to have that expertise on call. I told them, this is now my favorite shirt that we have. It I is, can't wait. It is, it is very, very rad. So, yeah, we will um, post about that on social as soon as it's available, and um, wear, them to the, wear them to the tour. Be that person. Oh, I'm into it. I'm yeah, into it. for sure. Uh, and even if you don't go, if you can't go, the design is so cute. Like, I would get it. I have, oh, for I have sure. shirts from tours I didn't go on because they're just cute. Yeah. Uh, so go to sinisterhood.com and click on shop in the top banner. Yeah. 
The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I can be found on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for your wonderful patience on your Patreon shout outs. Here they are. Shelby Menser. Josie Gordon. Taylor Moore. Sarah Lopez, Jennifer Tews, Beth Wild, Caroline Schaefer, Desiree Hairston, Emily Rodriguez, Anya Whitmer, Taco Panda, Danny, Catherine Yergen, Tori Gallagher, Devin Johnson, Camille DeCamp, Teresa Funk, Jan Brick, Christy Martin, Leticia Silva, Shawnee, Bug Girl, Emily Mayer, Taryn Malloy, Pleasure Meditation, Bailey Gillis, Melissa Paolo, Olivia Weaver, Thomas Hudgens, Christina Preston, Lisa Collins, Ashley, Mariah White, Kendra Highlands, Bobby Adams, Chris, Amelia Tennant, Kennedy J, Tiffany Wood, Whitney Harden, Michelle, Brennan Ferguson, Carrie Fitzgerald, Becca Ann, Brooke Kite, Brian Crow. Katherine Hillman, Tara Chenault, Rachel Greenberg, Louise Burluck, Amber Wilcox, Saber Gilbert, Carly Bales, Gabrielle Budzazuski, Alyssa, Hilary Royster, Ariana Jose, Sabina Prajik, Andrea Brown, Donna Delgado, Tash Buki, Lene Sisto, Lauren Williamson, Sarah Moore, Megan Zornis, Katie Duke, Panda Berry, Catherine Rosso, Whitney Roundtree, Jacqueline, Sarah Coventry, Olivia Fletcher, Katie Lafferty, TLS, Candace Leanne, Charlene Higley, Kate Gordon, and Jenna Schoenhofer. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We sincerely appreciate it, especially during these trying times. We hope we got your names right. We appreciate your patience. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs>